Hello, and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through His ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and today, well, Mike, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about gifts, gifted men, and God's church. Ooh, very, very good. We're going to look at God's intent for Ephesians 2.20 and Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. Excellent. And as far as why we're doing this, this is, this is going to be a far more technical episode than I think we're normally putting out. So why exactly are we focusing so hard on those particular passages? We want to help the church handle the scriptures accurately, and we want to make sure that we do that. And there has been a move underfoot in recent years where people will take certain passages of scripture and misuse them or twist them or you know, bend them to go with their agenda. Now, this is not always nefarious. This is sometimes done innocently where someone just doesn't handle the scriptures accurately and they have a really good you know, motive, but they, they just don't get to a place that helps the church. And in fact, they get to a place that harms the church with some teachings that then filter down into other areas. Interesting. So you said that this could possibly be damaging to the church. Can you explain that a little bit further? I would say that it is presently damaging to some churches, and many of our listeners, hello listeners, many of our listeners out there are not even aware of what we're going to bring up, but they see the effects in different places. And let me tell you the effects. There are people that say it's fine for women to be pastors and preachers. It's fine for women to be elders. Now, we would say that the Bible doesn't teach that and that the Bible is clear about the roles of men and women, and we've addressed that at other places where God has given men and women equal worth and value and gifting, but different roles and responsibilities both in the home and in the church. In fact, I preached a sermon recently on Romans 16, verses 1 through 16, where I addressed some of those things. Here, let's do this, Winston. Listeners, open your Bibles to Ephesians 2.20, and we're just going to start with this, and we're going to go through it and basically interpret what it says. Okay. Okay? We're going to read it and then look at it. It's, it's, these are not hard passages. This is not a difficult passage in Scripture, okay? People have made it difficult, and people have made it into something that it's not intending. That's what our point will be. So basically, you start at Ephesians 2, verse 18, For through him, Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now the big point of this passage is that Christ himself is the cornerstone that is building his church. That's the big point. But that line that says the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets just goes to show us that You build a foundation once, not two, three, four, five times. And so when he says that it's built on the apostles and prophets, what he's saying is that you've got the prophets of the Old Testament writing Scripture as God speaks through them. You've got the apostles in the New Testament writing Scripture as God speaks through them. And the church was based on these two groups of gifted men that God gave to the church, apostles and prophets. And we would say that those are not in operation today, that apostles and prophets are not in operation, that those ceased when the need for them uh, was no more in God's economy. Then you come over to Ephesians 4. Now turn over to Ephesians 4, and what you'll notice is it says 
in verse 11 that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. So it's similar to what chapter 2 says about Christ building his church and building up his church and that now we're to go on to mature manhood and that we're to speak the truth in love and grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So he is the head. And then he is spoken of in chapter 2 as the cornerstone. But the idea that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Many people have taken this to mean that these are not gifted men that God gave to the church and that those apostles and prophets, the foundation, are no longer in operation. What people have said is, no, these are five gifts that God gives every church and that these are for men and women alike and you've got in every church apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We would say what is a correct handling of the word, and we'll bring this out more in, in subsequent segments here, is that the apostles and prophets are gifted men God gave to the church, and they operate now through the word. Hmm. Okay? okay, So they're not on earth right now, but they speak through the word as God speaks through the word. But that evangelists and pastor teachers or shepherd teachers are the gifted men that God gives to the church to equip the church. And that there are other areas in scripture that talk about spiritual gifts. This is not a spiritual gifts passage. In fact, Ephesians 4 verses 7 and 8 say that he did give gifts to men. So there are gifts that God gave the church. But then it goes on to say that he gave gifted men to the church, apostles and prophets that are no longer in operation except through the word, and then evangelists, shepherd, teachers. And the idea that God has given these to the church as gifted men to equip the body has somewhat been obliterated by some folks to say, no, no, again, these are all five gifts that are operational today. And Winston, you may be an apostle, your wife may be a prophet, this, that, and the other. And they mean well. And I want to say that. I want to be fair because some of my ministry friends hold to these views. And we want to be fair-minded. We want to look at what the Scripture says. And we want to say, look, you want to interpret Scripture in context. And this question involves apostles and prophets. So we want to see how Paul used the term in previous sections, like chapter 2. And then you want to see what is really meant. And when you really look at it, it this is not a tough passage. It's pretty clear and straightforward. The problem is many people have built their ministries and their whole ministry philosophy upon what is known as apest, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So you're saying that people built an entire like ministry off of apest, A-P-E-S-T. So how fundamentally does that look differently from maybe a ministry here at Grace or maybe a ministry at another church that isn't using the apest model? They would be more open, and they would say that the scriptures actually warrant there to be women pastors and preachers and women elders and things like that. They would be more egalitarian in their views. Now, again, there are many people in the evangelical community that hold to egalitarian views and that hold to women can be pastors and preachers and elders, but they don't even know that some of these ideas, and Alan Hirsch would be one that has promoted this idea very heavily. His whole ministry is pretty much built around the APEST model. And I have no doubt that he is a very sincere, you know, servant of Christ. The thing is, these teachings, when you go in and put these into daily practice, 
literally change what the scriptures intend. And that's what we're most concerned about. Mm-hmm. But on a practical level, like when a church is following the APES model as opposed to a church that is not following an APES model, is it only in the realm of women preachers and pastors? No, it isn't. That's just the one that we see the most prominent and prevalent today. It would be in other areas, and we can address that in in future weeks. So basically what I'm getting at is, can a church follow the APES model and also deny that women can be pastors and preachers? And we'd be like, you know what, that's okay. You know, you have your APES model, and that's fine. We just disagree with it, and it's not a big deal, so long as you don't have women pastors. I would say no. I would not— do that. And what I would suggest is that we just say, look, we realize that Ephesians 4 does not support the APES model as it has been promulgated by some. And you think about inaccurate things that come from an inaccurate handling of a biblical text. There's a good motive, but there's maybe a lack of careful exegesis and attentiveness and precision with the biblical text. And what happens then, and case in point, Ephesians 4, you miscategorize gifts that God gives to his church, and you really can confuse people in terms of their spiritual giftedness and even set them up for disillusionment or, well, wait a minute, I thought this was a gift that God gave me. Here's the thing. When one teaching that someone proposes contradicts another teaching in Scripture, then their proposition is wrong. And for example, churches would say that women could be pastors and elders based on the APES model because, hey, it's all for all men and women, and they gave all these gifts to the church. Well, that goes against other places in Scripture, and Scripture is in harmony with itself. I don't want to be oversimplistic here, but this is a simple thing, and there is a simple fix. You go back and say, look, we miscategorize this. There are passages of Scripture that talk about gifts, and there's a variety of gifts. First Peter 5 makes it very clear God has given a variety of gifts Uh, But those using Ephesians 4 as five gifts that are operable in the church today for both men and women are basically stretching the text beyond what it can actually bear, what it actually says. So best to take it for what it is. This is gifted men that God gave to the church. I would suggest just utilizing the five terms in the most biblical way and then reserve those terms for their proper usage and not co-opt them into some sort of creative, you know, way of explaining the gifts. I would warn against using those five as giftings, but I would encourage people to deeply trust the Word of God and that apostles and prophets and the, and the ministry of evangelists and shepherd teachers are operable today. Apostles and prophets are operable through the Word, and evangelists and shepherd teachers are given to the church to teach that Word. Mm-hmm. So, we, we've set aside in a separate category apostles and prophets because they are not in operation today. And w- you referred back to Ephesians 2.20 there for a moment. They built a foundation. And does that mean that there can't be any other apostles and prophets? Right. I would say that once the New Testament canon was closed, that there were no additional apostles and prophets. Now, some people like to speak like this, like, Winston, you have a prophetic gift, or you have an apostolic voice. That is confusing, okay? Let's just pick other terms. So then, what is an apostle, then? Biblically speaking, or in the APES model? Biblically speaking. Biblically speaking, an apostle, uh, we're we're not self-perpetuating, and no apostle who died was replaced. He gave some to be, and it was a limited number. 
he gave these gifted men to the church. And so apostles uh, were to speak forth the word of God and to lead the church and to found the church. Prophets were specially commissioned men in the early church and in the Old Testament. And so the office of apostles and prophets ceased with the completion of the canon of the New Testament. Now these offices were replaced by evangelists and teaching pastors, pastor teachers. So what is an apostle and a prophet in the APES model then? So in the APES model, they would say that apostles, as the Greek says, are sent ones, and they would use the term missio for sent in Latin, and they would just say that it's someone who's especially attentive to God and sensitive to the Spirit of God. They would say that prophets are guardians of the covenant that keep us faithful. They would say that evangelists are recruiters to the cause. They're infectious in their enthusiasm. They would say that shepherds and pastors create community and bond people together and they're guardians of the flock. They would say the teachers connect the dots and are instructors and philosophers and theoretical and practical and bringing wisdom and instruction and understanding. And so what the APES people would say is, to each one of us, grace has been given in one of these ways. And the thing is, I think their motive is right. Like they want to show that there's an inversion of power Uh, This is not a CEO mentality. This is the greatest to the least, right? You want to be the least amongst the saints, not act like you're the greatest. And I think that where it goes wrong is where they even will say, well, outside the church in the order of creation, you can find a pest. Like it's laced throughout the created order. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I thought that the passage was talking about the church. And now in one fell swoop, they do away with the church. It's interesting because you, you read those definitions, and I, I see those in the church, right? I see those happening. And so, yeah, why wouldn't I want to use those titles and those names for the people who are living out those things? But you're saying those definitions don't match up with the biblical definitions of things. Right. And so if you want to use those terms in the kind of lowercase way, you know, I'm not going to have huge heartburn over it, but I do think it gets confusing. Mm. So the idea to say that an apostle is merely someone who is attentive to God and sensitive to the Spirit, that goes against what the Bible says an apostle is. To merely say that a prophet is someone who guards the covenant and keeps us faithful doesn't go along with Scripture of what a, a prophet is. An evangelist, a recruiter to the cause? How about someone who preaches the gospel? Right? An evangelist is someone who preaches the gospel, and yes, they are infectious in their enthusiasm, but they're not a recruiter, not in the, in the strictest sense of the term. They are literally uh, speaking forth what God has given us to speak. I mean, go into all creation and preach the gospel. I think what happens with the APES model is it actually lowers the standard for the church, and it creates these subcategories, and then it even creates maybe almost a competition like, wait, I want to be apostle, or I want to be a prophet, and I want to do, you know, this, that, and the other. And I think, I think it's easy to, we don't want to dismiss this outright. There are a lot of good things about this and a lot of good motives. But I think when you start one degree off, you can actually go out into orbit at times. And I think there are some people that do get very misguided by these kind of ideas. Do I think that Uh, You know, a pastor who follows these models is going to have a church that's horrible? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. If the church is built on the the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Ephesians 2.20, what do you do with that verse? And that's a good question for those who hold to APEST. When you say, until we 
attain to the unity of the faith, that means they're all in operation. I'd say, yes, they're all in operation because the apostles and prophets speak through the Word of God. Mm. So what happens is I think it lowers our view of the Word of God because the apostles and prophets are the ones who spoke the Word of God as God moved in them. And so they do still speak. They're still in operation, but not across the table from me. Mm. You know, you're not an apostle and a prophet. The, the person is gone, even though their work still speaks on. Exactly. Good way to put it. So we're going to be talking about this for quite a while, uh, mm-hmm. just because this is a big subject. And again, listeners, I know that this is kind of coming out of left field for a lot of you guys of just, why are they talking about this? Why <laughs> does this matter? We assure you, this is an important topic that needs to be discussed. And Odds are your life in the church has been affected by a lot of these errant teachings. And so we have concern for that. I know, Mike, you have plenty of concern about this, right? Sure we do, because we want to be faithful in our handling of Scripture, and we want to be true to the Word of God, right? And so the thing is, and I know we're going to be repeating ourselves, we're going to be leaning on a paper that we've written that we'll get into in future weeks, but here's one thing I want to say, and maybe we can do this in summary for this segment. APEST is used wrongly as a spiritual gifts inventory, in my opinion. Mm. It's not about what gifts are in play. It's about who God has gifted the church with to build up the church. And here's what we are convinced of. Scripture has enough clarity to answer these questions. And hermeneutics plays in. The way we handle Scripture plays in. Scripture is clear. And so some people will comment on this APEST kind of stuff uh, as if it's a proven fact beyond any doubt. And all we want to do is say, look, we want to show that it isn't beyond a doubt. We should actually cast doubt on that handling of Scripture and come together in unity and say, let's do what the Scriptures say. We don't want to bypass a literal, historical, grammatical hermeneutic. Uh, Ephesians 4 gives us not a list of gifts, but of gifted men that God gave to the church so that the church would be built up. So in the next few weeks, we'll be diving in a little bit further into APEST. If you guys want to just study up, be familiar with what Ephesians is saying, especially that middle section of uh, chapters 2 through 4. Understand those a little bit more, so that way when we're talking about things, you can understand them and have them fresh in your memory. So we're going to be looking at that more. If you guys want to send an email to us, we love getting those emails. Just email us at ordinarychurch at gmail.com. Well, until next Thursday, we'll help you join us when we remain faithful even in the ordinary.